Welcome back to the Hammer and Quill Season 2. This is Episode 7, an introduction to the future of theological training, our new mini-series that we're starting right now. We took a little break after our five-episode mini-series on craftsmanship, where we also worked in a little bonus episode, looking back and learning from the rise and fall of Mars, the Mars Hill podcast. But now we're back to introduce you to our next mini-series on the future of theological training. First, though, I'm joined here at the house headquarters, the global worldwide headquarters, by my fellow Bonhoeffer House staff and co-hosts, Holly Paulette. Hi, everyone. And Michael Whirl. Yo. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty good. Going pretty good. How are you, Jesse? Oh, I invigorated. I, I wasn't <laughs> refreshed. Refreshed by my Recovering. revived. <laughs> refreshed, revived, recovered. These guys are giving me a hard time about <laughs> drinking monster energy drinks. Um, but I like this. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to do a little plug here. Oh, <laughs> um, you would you would greatly benefit from a sponsorship. You drink so many of them. <laughs> there are any monster reps out there? Uh, I really like the the rehab. The monster rehab. It's tea plus lemonade. The yeah, the lemonade one. And um, it says revive, refresh, recover. It feels like and, like a tagline maybe for like the Holy Spirit too. Well, <laughs> I'm not saying you get from this drink what you can get from the Holy Spirit, but I am saying uh, it has advanced hydration. Mm. I don't know what makes it advanced, but it's better than water. <laughs> I guarantee you that. It's better than water. It has electrolytes, Na plus K plus Ca plus Mg. Wow. Those tell are us what those mean. elements, right? I feel like that's the periodic <laughs> It reduces fatigue, increases concentration. Anyway, I could go wow. on. It has coconut water in it, so you know it's good. Do you remember um, <laughs> the people who used to walk around with the Red Bull backpacks yeah. on Tech's campus? And like Red Bull cars. Yeah. Do you think we could get one of those Jesse like a be. monster <laughs> backpack and he could just throw them at people? <laughs> I would love it. I would they love like it. minivans, the maybe Red Bull? They, yeah, maybe they could um, like wrap your your <laughs> forerunner or you're even better your family's honda odyssey yeah. <laughs> so anyway i'm doing pretty well thanks yeah, for asking like uh you know holly you our last episode actually was you as the host and i just want to say here publicly for everyone to hear that you did a great job thanks mm. jesse you interviewed julie l sears <laughs> and uh multiple people told me that you should be the host from now. You should be wow. the main host. And I was like, why would you tell me that? <laughs> was that hurtful? This, that <laughs> really hurts. Oh, man. Well, But you did a great job. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I will say that if I was hosting some of the episodes in this Future of Theological training series, I don't think it would be quite as smooth and... Um, and uh, as well hosted as that one was, I'd have a lot more questions about vocabulary and um, what the big words mean. Mm. I know some of these words. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let Michael have a turn. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, but uh, I'm excited I for do this episode a, because I'm right. going to learn from you guys. No, we're not teaching. Right we're now. not doing big word teaching on this episode, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I think there's a bright future for you hosting here on the Hammer and Quill and uh, look forward to some other episodes where you're the primary host. In the meantime, yes. any yes. highlights in y'all's lives since we last recorded one of these episodes? Well, we've kind of um, skipped 
all of the Paulette Farm kidding season, mm. which for those non-farmers out there means the time when all of my my sweet mama goats have given birth. And um, we started our farm with 15 goats. I remember that might have been like the first episode of the last series. Mm. Um, and Enrique was your stud goat? He was. And he still he, is? He still is. He's doing his job really, really well. So all of those goats had a lot of babies. So now we went from 15. We have, I think, 42 goats on our little farm. So if anyone is looking for a goat... Uh, lawnmower, pet, mm. however, uh, Holly at Bonhoeffer okay, Holly at Bonhoeffer Now, now <laughs> you're not them. giving them away, though. You're selling if them. It was this is part of me, your income. If it was up to me, I'd give them away, but I believe that Morgan would like us to sell them. Okay, so, so you've got goats for sale. <laughs> yes. And what is what are the rules in terms of city limits here in Radford? Do you know? Can I have oh, a goat? I don't know. I live out in the mm. country, you know. But I, I, have, um, I have saved some goats' lives. Since we last mm. talked to you. So two of our You were hoping goats. we would ask. I was. Because you didn't want to brag. But I didn't want to. And so I'm tell so me about, <laughs> did you save any goats' lives? <laughs> I'm so thankful that Morgan <laughs> is not also here because I can tell these stories with so much more inspiration and like making it seem like I just ran out there. Yeah. But truly in the back of my mind, I just remember clearly one of them was born with its, it was just, it was not good, but. In the front of my mind, I was thinking about, I need to save this goat's life. And in the back of my mind, I could not stop thinking about the fact that I was wearing my really expensive leggings that my mom had just bought me. <laughs> and I was so upset because I was like, if I'm going to get goat fluids on these leggings, <laughs> but you know, I am a farmer and I save them. I also used my blow dryer, like my nice blow dryer to warm up a baby goat that was born on a cold morning. Wow. It has, I have turned into the most were you wearing, farmy person. Were you wearing your great indoors t-shirt <laughs> while, while you were? What a farmy person you are. I am. I am. But all the goats are doing well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> so good to, to hear about how, how the goats were doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. 42 goats. That's just a lot. Michael, what about you? Any highlights in your life? Um, My human daughter turned, <laughs> <laughs> turned one, one uh, a couple days ago. Oh, Audrey. So Audrey so. turned one. We, sometimes we call her the Audge. So, you know. She's got, she's got some some personality yeah doesn't she, she yeah she can she can be a bit of a like animal <laughs> <laughs> she's got some personality so when she's being crazy that's we call her the odge <laughs> the odge well um it's good to hear that you've got lots of kids and uh michael you've got two kids and <laughs> one of which just turned one um 42 goats now you know i'm turning 42 this year wow but that's not the highlight of my life since we last recorded one of these i jenny and i celebrated our 19 year anniversary yay and holly watched a couple of our kids we did and we kids human kids a couple of our human kids and so we got to get away and actually we had a staycation we stayed home went hiking went out to uh our favorite Restaurant around here, the Palisades, mm. out in um, what is that, Pembroke, New yeah. Newport, Eggleston, Eggleston. <laughs> we really know our <laughs> Eggleston. Town names. I think it's Eggleston. I think it's Eggleston. Yeah. I think so too. 
you know, it's, it's called the Palisades because of the, the cliffs there at, on the New River. It's really uh, beautiful. And uh, we got to go hiking. We saw a mink. I didn't even really know what that is. A mink. You know, like what um, like, like a, a fairy rich, thing? Rich old ladies wear, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, like a, a ferret mink. thing. <laughs> it's like a ferret thing. That's <laughs> that's pretty much, yes. It's okay. like a big ferret. <laughs> How did you guys know it was a mink? We looked it up. Okay. Yeah. We were like, look at that black thing over there. <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> it's like a big, huge squirrel, and it's by the water. And so we looked it up. I, I looked up everything I could think of. And then I was like, you know what? I think it's a mink. So I looked a mink up and it was like, bingo. Wow. That's crazy. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't know that they lived around here. Yeah, they do. They do. I know because At I've least seen one. one. <laughs> one I've seen a one. A displaced mink. So was that, was that, was the anniversary the highlight or was it the gift that you received? Oh, mm. you got to tell our friendos. <laughs> Jenny got me a Nicolas Cage pillow. Now, it's not like a body pillow. <laughs> it's not like a life-sized body pillow. Um, it doesn't spoon me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those pillows that if you, it's got all the little um, sequins. sequins on it. You push it down, it's black, you pull it up, Nick Cage's face. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, listen, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about this mini series we're about to embark into. Listeners, friendos, we're so glad you're joining us. Are we just uh, ca- are we are we taking that on? The yeah. friendos. Friendos, okay. friendos of okay. the podcast. Okay. Uh, we are. We're gonna make t shirts. I want a friendo t shirt. Yeah. Hats. <laughs> Who knows? But friendos <laughs> out there listening, thank you for joining us. You know, the Bonhoeffer House is all about forming future leaders in and for the church. And we do that with three core practices or commitments, which are represented for us by the hammer, the house, and the quill. Of course, this podcast is the hammer and the quill because we're focusing on uh, the hammer and the quill here within the Bonhoeffer House. And so uh, the hammer represents mentored apprenticeships, you know, putting it into practice craftsmanship, like our first series, the house is life together. Uh, really what we're doing here on the podcast and the quill is representative of theological training. You know, I wanted to do this mini series because I'm looking ahead at, uh, the future of theological training and thinking we live in unprecedented times. Uh, there's so many educational options. There's a growing divide between um, anywhere people and somewhere people that's been even more, um, the water's been even more muddied with COVID when uh, we don't necessarily need offices anymore. You know, churches are just selling buildings and going virtual and, and, and people are moving all over because they're realizing, hey, um, I can actually work from home or from, you know, wherever, and it doesn't really matter where where I live anymore. Work doesn't necessarily require particular placement, and neither does, even already, uh, theological training. Uh, what's more, enrollment is down. You know, uh, enrollment in theological and seminary education uh, what rose for a while in the beginning and middle of the 20th century and has been really pretty much on a downhill um, uh, path. Um and so, you know, the ATS, the Association of Theological Schools, has a study that 
um, there's a multiple decades long trend of uh, enrollment being down, which then causes seminaries and divinity schools to think creatively about how they're going to offer classes and get enrollment up. And of course, you need enrollment to pay the bills, to pay your professors, to keep theological training happening. Uh, Christianity Today in 2020 published an article about, which we'll link in the show notes, the challenges of COVID uh, on top of already declining enrollment and challenges related to our age of uh, the internet. Basically, in terms of education, especially uh, we could, we're not talking about education for kids and that we're, we are living in the wild west. Mm. You know, it's the frontier. It's a brave new world out there. We want to do our best to peer into the future uh, in order to think and plan well for forming future leaders. So over the course of five or six interviews, we're going to be asking a set of basic questions to our guests, some of whom, like we mentioned, we've already interviewed and let them riff on where they think things are or ought to be going. So I want to preview some of those questions right here among the three of us and discussing and chopping up together uh, what we think. So first, I want to ask this, and you guys could chime in. Why is theological training important? Why does it even matter mm. that we uh, that we think well about the future of theological training? So why is theological training important? What do you guys think? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is um, the the great commandment um, that we're invited to love God with all of our heart and mind. Um, and so I think for uh, those who are called into a leadership role in the church or a leadership role in theological training, uh, loving God with your mind looks like dedicating time to studying theology, studying the Bible. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah, so in other words, man, in order to love God with all our, of our mind, we need to be able to think well about who God is. Mm -hmm. And that requires training. Good. Holly, any thoughts there? Yeah, I just think, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is Hebrews 4, for the word, 412, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, I just think it's important. It's important to know why we believe what we believe. Um, so, you know, when I think of theological training in my own life, I, I don't think of seminary because I haven't gone to seminary, but I think about theological training in our local church and, um, which I'm really excited that we're going to explore that in this series too, but just the importance of knowing the word because of the power of the word and, um, yeah, being able to wield that well. Mm. That's good. The word, loving God. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I was teaching a class at Valley Bible Church on theology and culture. And we did a Q&A this past Sunday with the class. And one of the questions was around the, was around the, uh, basically setting forth a, um, an example of, a question about homosexuality. So someone said, "Hey, you know, uh, in terms of where I work, I've got people who are who are Christians, and they're, um, you know, they're they're asking questions about homosexuality, and they're saying, hey, Jesus never talked about this. So why do you care so much? Why is it important mm. to you when Jesus, you know, 
Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Now, man, that is such a theological question, isn't it? And so I think a lot of times we're not equipped to answer those types of questions, not because we don't necessarily know the right Bible verses. Mm -hmm. I think um, there's a way to know the right Bible verses or to be able to to kind of learn how to use a concordance or even Google uh, (laughs) to do our thinking for us and find the Bible verse. But that's a theological question. Like, that's a question about who is God and why does he care? Does he care? Or do only you care because of whatever? You're, um, you know, politically conservative or socially conservative. And so, uh, so anyway, I think, you know, we need to be ready to have theological answers to theological questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I, I, uh, there was a few thoughts to that particular question that I thought this is, this is why theological training is important. Yeah. Because I want to answer to that question a few things, you know, in addition to understanding how to have a posture towards um, someone who has theological questions that's loving and kind and gracious and inviting. Uh, but I also want to be able to say things, rather than just throwing Bible verses at yeah. them, to be able to say, uh, you know, to ask questions like, well, what what is the Bible? Well, let's talk about foundation. What What is the Bible to you? Um because if you think the Bible is just a kind of historical document made by some men in the fourth or fifth century, um, then of course that's a that question really makes a lot of sense. But if you think the, the Bible is God's word, and actually Jesus has a lot to say about everything, right? I mean, uh, and then even be, being able to ask the question of what does God think about and care about in terms of sexuality in general, and it, all that to say. Man, I think it's it matters so much because the world will always ask theological questions. Uh, we are, I think, we're made with what John Calvin calls a sense of the divine, mm. right? There's there's something in us, or or Blaise Pascal talks about the uh, God shaped vacuum in all of us, all of our hearts. And so we will we will try to fill that. We will seek. You know, we are the world is filled with people who are made by God, who, like Augustine says, our hearts are um, lost until they find their rest in Him. And so, so I think I think theological training is important because uh, it helps us to be able to um, speak God's words to a world that is is actually hungry for God, whether or not they know it. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? Right. I was, yeah. I mean, the hunger there for truth is, is so, um, prevalent. It's always been prevalent, but right now, especially like, it just seems like we're coming out, um, of this, these last few years of lack of community and, um, just mental health. The statistics are staggering of what the last two years have done to our world. And so people are coming out, you know, I kind of think of like this image of, of all of us, um, just having so much more time to think and to, um, yeah. And I, we've seen it in our church, just growth and, but, but questions of, um, of our culture that our culture is asking the church now. Um, yeah, I, you know, you said earlier that, education is a is a frontier um our culture is a wild west frontier right now and so so um feeling 
prepared um, to answer those questions is, is really important. Yeah, that's good. And, and you know, it, it, there's a lot of gunslingers out there yes. on the internet, yes. on the interwebs. Oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and you brought up the fact that like the last couple of years we've been isolated, we're, we're, we're hungry for community. I think you're right that we're also hungry for truth because so much of what, we don't know what's true. If right. it's posted on social media, it presents as truth, but there's, you know, there's, um, you know, fake news and false, false facts. And, and so, um, it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult to, to just trust the internet to do our, you know, our truth setting for us or our fact checking for us, because, uh, there's a lot of so-called alternative facts out there. And so, um, theological training is important because it sources us in an unchanging truth, the truth of God's word, the truth of who God is. Mm. And I think you're right that people are, if they're not already, they're beginning to be hungry for, uh, tell me something true. Mm. What can I believe in? Any thoughts, Michael? This this is not unrelated, but a little a little uh, to the side, I guess. <laughs> but um, as as we were talking through this, I was reminded of uh, C.S. Lewis wrote an essay called "Learning in Wartime," where he's essentially answering the question. Why should we continue education uh, when Britain's at war? Um, should we continue to study the arts? Should we continue to study the humanities um, when we might not be a nation <laughs> uh, if we don't win? Um, shouldn't we just dedicate ourselves to uh, to the war? Um, and in the whole, I, I would. I would recommend the whole essay, but he has a line in there where he says, um, good philosophy must, ex must exist if for no other reason, because bad philosophy needs to be answered. Mm. Um, and I think the same applies for theology, uh, that it's important for us to study, uh, to dedicate ourselves, um, and, and to do, to do theology in, in community, in, um, you know whether that's the community of the academy or uh, or the seminary or or the community of the local church. It's good for us to uh, do theology together uh, and sharpen one another because it it does matter. Um, there, you know, tying it back into what we were just talking about. There are there are people who are are seeking answers to um, the big question, the existential questions of life, the, the theological questions of life. Why are we here? Um, is there a God? Uh, what's, what is good? What is just, what is, uh, beautiful? Um, and so I think I, yeah, I think it's, it's worthwhile to, uh, dedicate ourselves to thinking through those big questions. Amen. Yes. As long as there's bad philosophy, there needs to be good. As long as there's bad theology. Yeah. And it needs an answer. And um, I'm particularly excited about, you know, it feels like there's a kind of uh, shaking happening in terms of theological training. And so I'm kind of nervous, but excited about where things land. You know, when I look at the evangelical theological landscape, um, I'll tip my cards here that I, I think uh, there's just so much sort of um, infighting and boundary making that there's a lot of courage in terms of, um, or, or a lot of, uh, 
uh, kind of girding up for battle, but there's mm. there's not a lot of courageous. Uh, um, you know, we're kind of on the defensive in terms of of the culture, yeah. mm. and I I I wonder, I I wonder if maybe there's an opportunity for a turn towards um, courage facing outward, not not in terms of uh, building bigger walls, but of of stepping out with conviction, mm. N- not, not based on, uh, yeah, conviction based on, on the essence of who God is and his triune nature, that we could step out into the public square and say, God is, mm. and, and begin to do theology that engages, uh, yeah, the big, the big questions of our day. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know, who knows? <laughs> That's what I want. I want uh, courage and kindness. I want um, I want to see a new generation of theologians who have strong convictions about the not just the the uh, um, inspiration and dependability and truthfulness and inerrancy of Scripture, but um, but that almost like we don't need to defend that. We'll just assume it. And step out and begin to speak, uh, speak theologically into the world. Anyway, I, I don't know. Who knows? I'm excited about that. We'll see if it happens. What What about some challenges facing theological training institutions uh, now in the near future? What do you guys think? Uh, maybe what's one big challenge? I'm going to go with just. The internet. Oh, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Maybe we could even say the metaverse. I wasn't going to say that because I don't really understand that. (laughs) Not the Iceland verse. (laughs) No, the metaverse, right? (laughs) Uh, uh, In other words, I'll just say that I think we're becoming increasingly isolated. Um, And there's an increasing lack of embodied, in-person... Um, uh, commitment in terms of education, and I see that as a challenge. There's there's a whole host of things that come with that, right? Like, a, a, I mean, along with a move towards more and more digital existence, there is a shorter attention span, and uh, yeah, a uh, a greater desire to consume things quickly and. Um, even a, uh, I don't know the exact way to frame this, but e- even a, uh, a growing belief that I, I understand something if I've mm-hmm. read an article or, um, or if I've followed a expert on Instagram and, and have kept up with, you know, their thoughts, um, so I, I yeah I I don't know exactly the category to put all of those things in but it se- it seems like there's a host of challenges that come with a, a growing digital existence. Yeah, and um it takes it takes courage I think for um theological training institutions and the local church to um be who they are and give truth on an internet that uh, in the internet that's the internet that's um like waiting for you to say something wrong or say something that is um 
worthy of canceling? Uh, so you've got the challenge of, um, you know, the, the, uh, you become an expert on the internet with like one TikTok video or YouTube video. <laughs> you got the challenge of the disembodied nature of the internet and you have the challenge of, uh, how quickly and forcefully you can be canceled if you, um, step out of line with the kind of winds of, of the cultural moment. Like a, gr- a growing tribalism. Right. Exactly. Yes. I, uh. I almost brought this up when when you were talking about uh, the value of of courage and kindness mm-hmm. yeah. in our theological uh, training and 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 speaking. Um, but our friends over at uh, the Bradley Study Center just put on an event. I think it was called "I See You," and it was um, with Dr. Robert George and Dr. Cornell West, who are who are real life friends, hmm. and. Uh, really disagree with one another. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm I'm not all the way through it yet, but uh, I, I would I would highly recommend that in terms of what we're talking about right now. They I feel like they modeled um, really well uh, how to disagree without ca- canceling. Well, and how and more than that, how to disagree while um, genuinely loving one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was it was. Um, yeah, it was shocking to see the amount of affection between the two of them um, throughout the entirety of the event. Um, so we'll link that in the show notes. But uh, just just as by way of agreeing, it's becoming increasingly difficult to express a deeply held conviction um, without guarding yourself, like right. without getting ready to receive a, a punch. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, because you only have a certain number of characters to share something that's so deep to you. And so um, it, it's scary to put yourself out there without being able to follow up with embodied conversation and being life together and in community with one another. All right. All right. So uh, what about exciting opportunities our digital age offers? The first one that comes to mind for me is just accessibility. Um, allowing people who wouldn't be able to access theological training to do that. Um, you know, I think of myself and, and some of my peers, um, who are young moms Mm -hmm. who can access, uh, the internet during nap time and, and learn, um, in a way that, that wouldn't have been possible before. So, um, that's just one aspect of accessibility. Uh, there's so many other ac- uh, other um, different places that that touches, you know, um, access for those with disabilities and um, uh, socioeconomic access. So all of that. That is exciting, you know, um, having more access. You know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, you couldn't, uh, watch the Cornell West Robbie George conversation. You just couldn't. You just would never know what happened. You might have heard it happen or read. You, maybe a few years later, you could read an article about it. But uh, right now, you can jump online and watch it, mm. and that's that's exciting. Yes. Is that is that as far as we're willing to go? I I'm, <laughs> I was really glad that Holly jumped in and answered because I was like, uh. 
I don't know. <laughs> it seems no. like it's all bad. <laughs> I'll say one or two things and then we'll move on. Um, uh, one is the idea of closed countries, cl- countries that are mm-hmm. closed to yeah. the gospel, having yes. access to things that they couldn't have had access to. And that's exciting. I feel like you're cheating. You're you're stealing Dr. Well, we'll Lederbach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So I I didn't. Yeah. So and then and then the second thing, um, and this is maybe more of like a if I if if someone would just ask me what I thought, I would tell them this, and and then it would change everything. That uh, in terms of the internet age, there are good mediums and bad mediums or, or medias for communicating theological truth. And I would just say the longer form, the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yes. is, of course, here we are on a podcast. So, whereas. <laughs> and are accidentally too long sometimes. Never too long. <laughs> yes. Whereas we don't tweet, right? Because, right. And, and I think, um, and I, I respect people that do things differently, but for as, as far as I'm concerned in terms of what the internet age has to offer, I think if you do something well, uh, if it's, if it's beautiful, if it's good, if it's excellent, uh, people's attention span is better and longer than than we might even give them credit for. Yeah. Um, and I think you can see this with like uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. As polarizing as it is, he can have a three-hour podcast and have 10 million listeners. And um, People and, want him to keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep going. Ask more questions. Um, take more mushrooms or whatever he does in there. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so I think, uh, that's not to say that we want to model after, after that. It's just to say that there are opportunities to go and, and give meat and give, um, uh, apologies to any vegans out there to give, uh, it's a biblical metaphor to give, yeah. um, uh, solid substance. food to give yeah. substance. And I think that that's exciting or at least, um, it would it would it would excite me if more theological training went in that direction and and less energy was given to um, Twitter beefs and uh, another meat. Uh, yeah, metaphor. yeah. I, I, I guess as a by way of agreement, I, it does open the door, like the accessibility that we're talking about. I feel like it also opens the door to friendship and collaboration. Um, where otherwise it would have been really difficult or would have, you know, required a, a lot of resources to fly somewhere or drive somewhere. Um, I, yeah, I, my, my pessimism is just that, uh, it's hard. You, you have to really kind of dig to find yeah. that happening. Um, and so I, I hope this is, a uh, inspiring to, do, do more collaboration uh operate in friendship with um with other other pastors and churches and i know that that's what we're trying to do in the bonhoeffer house on at least on a small scale a little regional scale so small batch that's how we do theological training in the bonhoeffer house that's okay right. final question where do you see excellent theological training happening and what makes it excellent holly mm. you want to kick us off Sure. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm so excited to see it happening in the local church um, in so many local churches. But just in, in our context, we um, for for women have started a, a training 
course, I don't even know the best way to say it. It's so much more than that, um, called Kalos and, uh, just a year long monthly meeting with so much depth, um, in community together, learning, um, learning how to read the Bible, learning about these cultural topics, um, so that we can come ready, uh, with an answer. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited where as part of this series, um, Pam B Hall has, um, Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed to come on. And so we'll get to talk to her. She leads this for us at our church. And um, it's been it's been incredibly powerful in my own life. And I know in so many other women's lives and and we have the same thing on the men's side. I'm just talking about (laughs) for me personally. But yeah, you guys can share about that. No, yeah, I mean, I think Kalos and Pam B. Hall at Valley Bible Church is exactly what I was hoping you'd say, Um, you know, Pam and I started this a few years back uh, uh, after we had started a men's site called the Leaders Collective, uh, which now Reed Monahan and I lead together. Uh, really, Reed leads it, and I just try to get guys to come. Um, <laughs> and Kalos, we don't take credit for that. That actually, uh, Matthew Cruz and Seven Mile Road Church, and I apologize to the ladies up there that run that. I don't, I don't know them, but uh, we borrowed this idea. We stole it. Mm. Uh, but we're we're citing them. We're giving them a citation here. Um, and so love the idea, love the way it's worked out at Valley Bible Church. How many women are in that this year, Holly? Roughly? A lot. Almost um, as many as your new kid goats. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> probably about. Yeah, and this I think is the third year. Um, and I got to be a part of it for the first the first year. Um and then I think I had a baby or something, like a human baby, and then got to do it again to finish out. So I'm just watching from afar this year and loving loving what Pam's doing there. Good, good. Any other place you guys see excellent theological training happening? I mean, I'm a homer. I was hoping you'd say the Bonhoeffer <laughs> House in Southeastern Baptist <laughs> Theological I, uh, Seminary. I mean, I went, th- I went through the Bonhoeffer House for my theological training. That's why I'm in the job that I'm in as the <laughs> associate director is because I loved, I loved the model. I loved uh, what what we're trying to accomplish here, the, the vision of forming future leaders in, in the church and for the church. And so, um, you know, we've, we've got our, we've got our work that we have, have got to do to continue to build and, and, uh, make this more, uh, streamlined and accessible for, for our students, um, for sure. But I think, I think the, the model and the vision that we have is, the way that I would want everyone to do theological training if I, if I could uh, encourage that. Amen. Yes. So, so this, this is not just a commercial for the Bonhoeffer House, but I, I do remember the thing that I forgot earlier about <laughs> uh, exciting or, or challenges facing theological training institutions. And it's that um, our Western culture has lost um, trust in institutions and so we're living in a world of deconstructing institutions, especially religious institutions. Mm. Um, and there are reasons for that. And, uh, and I don't want to get into all that here. That's not what this episode's about. But, but uh, what I love about what we're doing with the Bonhoeffer House is uh, that we're building, that we're, that we're trying to create something that is 
that is good, that is adaptable, that is small, that is um, trustworthy, uh, that is transparent, and that we think is really excellent. We have we we through our partnership with Southeastern and local churches, we really have top flight, top quality theologians, pastors, um, scholars who are who 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 really serve with us and teach our teach our students and partner with us. And doing this in small batches, doing this in small cohorts, uh, under the care of a mentoring leader, uh, in the context of life together, all within the local church where theological training really should be taking place. Man, we like what we do. Mm. We think we're doing. We think we're doing a good thing. We might not always be doing a good job, but we are doing a good <laughs> and worthwhile thing. We hope. Uh, we hope that as you tune in in our future interviews, we've got doctors. Uh, Mark Lederbach, Doug Sweeney, and Reese Bizant uh, coming up, Mrs. Pam B. Hall, as well as, we hope, a couple more potential guests. Uh, we hope that you tune in, that you enjoy these conversations uh, and, and these discussions about a topic that uh, we think is important to the future survival and flourishing of Christian, truly Christian churches here in America. Now, before we close, and in the West with our... Uh, our friend Reese Bizant in Australia. Shout out to all our friends in Melbourne. Uh, before we close, I thought it'd be fun since we have been together. We have not been together here in a while, and I didn't do a lightning round with our with these these oh, guests no. I've already interviewed. Oh no! Wow. Shall we call them? <laughs> no, there's. It's so important to know the mag- most magnificent animal yeah. they've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> a mink for you. <laughs> I thought we close out with just a, an abbreviated lightning round. What's the best movie or show? You guys have watched so far this year. Um, we're just rewatching Shit's Creek right now. Excuse my language. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <the sea>. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't. I just could. It's like a, a comfort blanket for me. I just rewatch it over okay. and over again. I just watched the first episode of Moon Knight. Hmm. Was that the name of it? I think so. It was wild. Was it good? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> You're not sure. Still I think undecided. That, um, I think I. I think I'm into um, um, Oscar Isaac. Is that his name? Os- Oscar Isaac's yeah. uh, weird British accent. I think okay. Kind of dig it. Okay. Um, so I don't know that I'd say it's my favorite. I'm just throwing it out there. Or the best. We literally just have Disney Plus. We mooch off of someone's Netflix, and then Morgan hooks up an antenna, and it hangs from <laughs> our ceiling so that we can get for him um, Me TV. Because oh, what is what is that's TV? like he so he can watch Andy Griffith. Guys, I, I it is a whole thing. We could talk about it some other time, but just know every time you so mention, he pops some popcorn and put on some Mayberry, some Andy Griffith. He loves it. And a he cheer loves wine. It. <laughs> So I'd have no idea anything other than those two mm. and me TV. Oh gosh, I don't. I really don't know. We just that's okay. Um, we just watched the Adam Project with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Okay, he like travels back to himself. It's like a space, yeah, tr- travel, time travel, space thing. It was uh, it was pretty good. Okay, so pretty good. Yeah, Adam Project. Yeah, it was um. Unsure Moon well, Knight, episode one. <laughs> it was Ryan Andy Reynolds. Griffith in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> yeah. Five stars. Five stars from wow. MeTV. MeTV, yeah, dangling antenna, Andy Griffith. Oh, man. 
Sorry, we don't have great recommendations. Okay, <laughs> okay. Come back again later for recommendations <laughs> from movies and shows. Uh, why don't we end with what's on your nightstand? What's on your nightstand, guys? I just, I just, I just have a lot of library books right now. Oh. Yep, that's about it. And then I also have Jackie Hill Perry's Holier Than Thou, which mm. I am loving so much. Um, and then Chapstick. Mm. <laughs> and a water bottle. Okay, that's a lot of detail. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow suit and give the same amount of detail. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, if you ask what's on our nightstand, that's what's on our nightstand. Let's go. I have. Um, well, I don't. I don't know if it's on my nightstand anymore. I have um, Wynn Collier's uh, biography of Eugene Peterson, which <sighs> I'm blanking on the name of. Fire in my bones. Fire in my bones. Um, I have a giant fantasy novel, um, by Brandon Sanderson. Was that a smirk? How <laughs> just, like, just chuckle, loser. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd <sorry>. alert! <laughs> I'm so sorry. I th- I hope that no one caught it. <laughs> just not making eye contact. Called Oathbringer. Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, please. Oh. You want, Give me us keep, the you want me to keep going? It's book three of, <laughs> oh, of like the Stormlight Archives. The Stormlight Archives. <laughs> 43 books in the story. They're each 3,000 pages. No, there are currently four of them. Okay. Um, so, That's cool. Uh, and then I have um, my gummy vitamins. <laughs> okay. Okay. They're amazing. Um, and is that fish, what, is and that fish what, oil. Okay. Do you call your, uh, do you call gummy bears? Your no, vitamins. Um, I'm going to take some vitamins tonight. <laughs> some fruit um, snacks, some Mott's fruit snacks. What are they? They're um, uh, Ollie. They're Ollie. the Ollie um, uh, men's multivitamins. Mm. Link them in the show notes. I will. <laughs> so I have a lamp, a plant, a pack of gum. Okay. Why? A, well, occasionally I chew it. Uh, a, a, um, so many follow-up A thing questions. of uh, Tums. <laughs> tell us you're almost 42 without telling us you're almost 42 <laughs> and uh i have the book um by dostoevsky titled the idiot mm. which i'm about a quarter of the way through rereading it um does each character have like four different names yeah they're yeah that's the <laughs> way he rolls that's russian literature in the 19th century um it took me like three and a half times of trying to Brothers read K. the Brothers K yeah. to finally realize, oh, oh, that's the same it's guy. It's the same person. That's the same guy. I feel like someone could like paint your nightstand and it could be like entitled A Portrait of Jesse Fury. Uh, or Middle Age. A, a Portrait, portrait of, of Middle Age. Of middle age. <laughs> <laughs> well, Julielle? thank you. Julielle, Julielle would you, you like to there? come paint this still life? <laughs> Middle age in Radford. Thank you for tuning into the Hammer and Quill season two, episode seven, an introduction to the future of theological training series. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow the Hammer and Quill on your favorite podcast app and write us a quick review. Five stars, letting us know and uh, letting others know how we're doing. If you have any questions or ideas for future podcasts, please write in at info at bonhofferhouse.com. And be on the lookout for a quick turnaround for our next episode, a conversation with Dr. Mark Lederbach. Somebody write us. Week or two. Somebody write us. Nobody writes us. (laughs) 
somebody write us and post a review. Until then, <laughs> peace. Peace. I got more fire in my belly than Natsu. I'm happy as a clam and I think you forgot to. Tell me where my enemies are, cause when I look around and know what to be found, I get to counting down every single hour to the minute to the second. They have me second guessing if they even present. If they ever step up to me, I'ma give them all a gift. I'll say sorry in advance and I'll go and please the fifth. And I don't need a fifth to hit the top of your wish list. Every time I pivot, I'ma leave your ankles twisted. Listen, I'm not feeling listless. This, this, that, bliss, bliss I don't feel indifferent Already left the runway And I barely had assistance Went to my back Let the jokers react And the higher powers laughing with me They don't know what happened Up so high that your size is a fraction And what goes up must come down But now I'm really feeling like that paradigm shifted The feeling is addictive Anti-gravity I pray it's never lifted And when I hit the top It tastes like booty that you're kissing Listen Skip the clips I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch.